Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Hello, Plant family. Pastor Jeremy here. I'm so glad to be joining you today on the online campus. We're recording straight from our new studio in West Milford, New Jersey. We are so glad you're here. Let us know in the chat on Church Online or Facebook where you are tuning in from in New Jersey or the country or, or somewhere around the world. We are so glad that you're here. Also, if it's your first time joining us, on the top right of the screen on Church Online, click on the Connect button. That way you can get updates and stay up to date with what's going on in our church. So I know this has been an absolutely crazy past year for all of us. It has limited us in so many ways, and we haven't been able to do the, the things in life that we normally would have been able to do. You know, I've come to realize that there are just some things that you just can't participate in virtually or, or hear about or read about. But there are things in life that you have to experience live in person. I remember when I was in college in New York City back in the early 2000s, I was a pre-med student. And thankfully, I'm not a pre-med student anymore. I wasn't cut out for that. But basically, myself and all the other pre-med students, we would study all night in the library before finals for several nights in a row. And the library was open for 24 hours, so that helped out. So while we were studying in the middle of, of the night in one of these days before the finals, all of my Muslim and Middle Eastern and Indian friends had this idea. They, they would always be talking about going out to the street food cart on 53rd and 6th called the Halal Guys. Now, in the city, there were thousands of street food vendors everywhere, and they all looked exactly the same and had similar food. So I was skeptical, and I thought, what's the big deal? Why are we going out to this particular place? Now, this cart, the Halal Guys, served their specialty halal chicken over rice. So I agreed to go with them at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night because they were only open at that time early on, and we were hungry college students. So when we got there, I was so disappointed because there was this long line that went down the block. And ironically, there were other vendors around that area that had the same type of food with, with no line. So I was like, why are we going to wait on this line in the middle of this crowd for, for one hour for this food? And then my friend said to me, Jesus, just trust me, have faith. He called me, he called me Jesus, by the way, because apparently... At that time, I took my faith as a Christian very seriously, so he was joking. So we waited, and we got their specialty dish. It was a round aluminum tray overflowing with chopped chicken over yellow rice seasoned in mouth-watering halal spices. And it came with a salad and, and, and pita bread on top, and this, this, this whole dish was, was drizzled all over with this, with this white sauce that I was convinced was so addictive, was so amazing, you can't even understand how or describe how good it tastes. My friend one, once asked a guy cooking what was in that white sauce, and he said to him, you don't want to know. So we left it at that, and we didn't ask any more questions. But after I took that bite of chicken and rice, I became a believer. My skepticism turned into faith, and my faith was so great that I went out and shared about this, this great place to everybody that I, that I knew and convinced them to go there. 
Later on, I told Pastor Omar about it, and, and I told him that words could not do justice. He just had to experience it for himself. I took him there in person and to experience it, and his mind was blown to pieces. The halal guy started out as a hot dog cart and, and started serving food, which serviced the thousands of, of cab drivers there who became believers in that food, too. And, and its, it's, it's, it's fame spread throughout the city first, through cab drivers and then to the general public. And now it's one of the number one most reviewed food places on Yelp and number three in the country. Word spread over the years, and that place is, has gone global. The faith of others made me a believer. And then my new faith helped convince others of the same. For some things in life, there is no explanation or no description that can fully do justice. You just have to come and see and experience it for yourself. Over the last few weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Come and See which will be leading up to the Easter season. Come and see Jesus. Come and see who he is. Come and see what he is all about and what sets him apart. I want to challenge you this morning to take this opportunity to put away your ambitions and bring forth your doubts and bring forth your skepticism and and bring forth your desire to want to come to see Jesus face to face to find out for yourself. Today, I'm going to challenge you to come and see for yourself Jesus and his miracles. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 31. Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 31. Jesus heals in response to faith. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life. Again, if you just come and lay your hand on her. So Jesus and his disciples got up, went with him. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that very moment. So here we have a leader of a synagogue. This man was an influential man, and and he was a father, and he was desperate for Jesus to heal his daughter. He traveled from miles away and knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter has just died, but you can bring her back to life again. Now, this passage, this narrative is the same story that we see in in Mark 5, which refers to the father as likely Jairus. But the author here in Matthew streamlines the story and removes some details to, to focus on the core of what this story and this narrative is trying to teach us. Now, in those days and in those times, there was no social media, there was no phones, no internet or anything like that. So 
news and eyewitness stories of Jesus spread throughout the, the, the entire region. The stories spread about Jesus about how he healed people of leprosy, how he healed the blind, he, he healed people with, with demons. And people realized that there was something different about this man, Jesus. He had the power to heal. He had the power to bring hope. He had the power to, to, to do all these things that, that he must have come from some other world out there. So crowds from all over the place gathered to come and see, is this for real? What is going on? So Jesus agreed to this man's request. He agreed to this man's request and he and his disciples and the father and the father's entourage and, and this whole crowd of bystanders, they all got up where they were. And they left to head to this father's house. As they started to head there, there was this large crowd that was pressing all around them. And, 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 and they were amazed and they wanted to go and see what God, what Jesus could do. Now, in that ancient culture, like many places in the world today, there was not much of a concept of personal space. If you try to, to ride in a New York City subway during rush hour, you will soon realize that. Space was only maintained between people for religious reasons, holiness, purity, or, uh, or, or, or class reasons. But in the midst of this crowd, there was a desperate woman who had also heard about Jesus and had come to pursue him in the crowd. This woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, she had suffered greatly physically dealing with this issue. You can't even imagine the pain, the suffering, the discomfort, and, and how much of a nightmare this ailment was for her and how it affected her entire life. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that she had seen all the doctors. She had, exp she had expensed all of her money to find a cure for this ailment that she had, and, and her, her ailment did not get better. In fact, it only got worse. In addition to the, to the, that wasn't enough, in addition to the physical and financial crisis, it also ruined her life socially and relationally. In Jewish custom at that time, a, a woman who was bleeding or who was in her monthly cycle was, was considered impure or unclean. People were religiously unclean due to physical conditions like bleeding or, or leprosy or any other kind of disease or any other circumstance like, like touching dead people or the bodies of de the deceased. People were ostracized, and they were not allowed to be near the temple until they had gone through a ritual, ritual washing or purification or, or waited for the appropriate amount of days to pass. This poor woman, just being in the crowd, would have made others that she touched accidentally unclean and defiled by her own very presence. And not to mention the fact that she was a woman. Women in that time didn't have much status or a voice. Just imagine all the barriers that this woman had to face. She was someone that should have been on the outskirts of society. And sadly, it's very likely for, for many years that she had not been physically embraced or hugged by those around her. But, despite everything that was going on and that everything that was going on against her, 
It said that she touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. She knew that others had been healed by the touch of Jesus. So, so desperate for a miracle, giving every last ounce of faith that she had, she went to grab and touch his garment. And immediately, Jesus turned around and saw her and said, Daughter, be encouraged, for your faith has made you well. And this woman was healed at that very moment. In the, in the account of Mark, it says that, that Jesus had felt the power in, in Greek, the dunamis, be released and go out of him. And when he turned around, boom, he had confirmed that she had been healed of her condition. Healing as a response to faith. So here we see a story of two people that were desperate. Two people. A father that was desperate for his daughter and a woman that was desperate for herself. And as a father of a daughter myself, if my daughter was sick or or dying, I would go to any length, pay any cost to find healing and wholeness for my child. Now notice this. Notice that the man whose daughter was dying was with Jesus when this woman was healed. This happened on the way to his house. Now for this man, his eyes and his heart was probably fixed on racing Jesus, grabbing Jesus and racing him over to his house to see his daughter that had died. But Jesus stopped in the midst of the scene to deal with this woman. And this man had to watch this whole encounter take place. Just as a father loved his daughter, Jesus called this stranger, this woman, daughter, which was a term of endearment, bringing healing, not just physically, but also emotionally, breaking the social, religious, and cultural barriers that had kept her ostracized. Jesus was, was showing this father in this crowd that he was telling this woman that, that, that this was my child too. He was showing this, this father who was so uh, distraught that, and all those around him that he was embracing this woman as his daughter with healing. How much so would he also love and embrace this father's daughter? Right now in, in the world today, there are many women who are oppressed ostracized in in many ways, objectified by the world, abused, neglected, trafficked, not just in developing countries, but in our very own. What I want to tell you, if you are a woman, is, is this, that God sees you. He sees your pain. He sees your heart. He sees your struggle. He sees you as his daughter. And if you have ever been broken in your spirit or or broken in life because you're a woman or neglected because of your woman, remember that in Christ, you are his daughter. You are his child. Let that give you hope. It is your heavenly father that brings you justice, that brings you hope, that provides for you, that, that heals you, that forgives you, and who is your redeemer and makes you new. You don't have to, to offer anything. You don't have to reach any kind of standard. You don't have to be presentable according to the, the world standards, but you just have to be willing to receive your position as his. And this is not just for, for women, but also for all men that he calls his sons. This woman was healed as a response to her faith. 
How many of us out there have, have given up asking Jesus for healing us in physical ways? Many times, unfortunately, in our false humility, we have, have accepted that some of the ailments that we, physical ailments that we have in our life are just a part of our life part of our identity and we have lost what we think is is possible with Christ. And you know this because when people ask you for prayer, for for healing, for for prayer, what happens is you never bring up your physical issues and your physical needs for these prayer requests. Because you feel that there are other people that have bigger issues and bigger ailments than yours. You may have a, a seemingly minor issue like that you think is like back pain or, or something like that, but then you say, you know what, my, my brother or my sister in Christ, they, they have cancer, they have this disease, that disease, I feel bad for them. I don't want to bring up my minor issues when, when there are bigger issues at hand. And you believe that, that prayer for healing is great for someone else, but not for you. My issue is not going to change. So I have to ask you, where is your persistent faith? Or are you going to be like this woman who said, no, I'm not going to settle for letting this ailment define me. Whether you are like the father of the girl or the, or the woman that was bleeding, if you are in Christ, you are his child. And because you are his child, you have every right to be persistent in faith, asking for God to bring physical healing in your life and in the life of others around you. As a father myself, I want my children to come to me. I want them to believe in what I'm capable of. I want them to bring their requests to me. Now, I don't understand God's mysterious ways. I don't understand why he heals when he does, why sometimes it takes longer or, or what's going on behind the scenes. But maybe, just maybe, there are some of you here today that are, that are watching and you are someone that you just need to grab onto Jesus for that healing and say, Jesus, I am not letting go from you or in my belief of who you are and what you can do and what you want to do through me until I am either healed or I see you face to face. One day we will all physically die. But the moment you receive Jesus into your life, you have already been healed from death to eternal life. Healing can be a response to faith. So why do we believe that Jesus is healer? That is a big question. Let's continue reading. Matthew 9, verse 23. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. So, what do we mean when we say that Jesus is healer. What do we mean when we say that? So there are many Christian traditions out there that don't believe that, that, that the healing ministry is possible right now in the present. Sure, we can, we can all pray to God and, and ask for healing and in his sovereignty, he can heal. We all, we all believe that, of course. But we do believe that this ministry of healing and, and gifts has not ended with the apostles, but, but is present today. How do I know this? 
because I've seen all of you. I've seen you pray for each other, pray healing for each other, and have seen people heal. We have seen this happen, so there's no denying it. A.B. Simpson, the founder of our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, mentioned that Jesus commanded his disciples to go out and preach the gospel and to lay hands for the sick. He says, what right do we have to go to unbelievers and and demand their acceptance of of salvation without the signs that follow? What right do we have to eliminate from God's word something that we deem to be obsolete? Access to healing, physical healing today is part of the gospel. A gospel without Christ's healing power in the present is, is an incomplete gospel. Why? Because we know that two-thirds of, of Jesus' ministry in the gospel were surrounded by physical healing and deliverance. Jesus healed the blind. He healed the leopard. He healed the paralyzed man. He healed the man with the withered hands, with the swollen extremities. He, he healed the deaf. He healed those that could not speak. And he healed those who were possessed by demons. So why did Jesus heal? First, he healed to get attention and to be a signpost. By taking care of people's physical needs for healing, he was pointing to the fact that he could take care of their bigger eternal needs, their spiritual needs to be restored from sin. He fulfilled the the messianic signs from the Old Testament. See, when Jesus came to town, it meant that healing and deliverance and, and joy and forgiveness and transformation and, and rescue were coming. It was, it was a, his healing was a signpost that, that, that more was to come. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5 through 6 said, And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and, and streams will water the wasteland. He, come, he came and healed to first be a signpost. Next, he healed to prove that he was God and that he could forgive sin. In Jewish society at the time, there was this assumption that sickness was a result of sin. Why? Because sin resulted in, in death And sickness or mortality was just a premonition of a future death to come. So based on this assumption, if someone could heal, they could also forgive sin. Isaiah 53 verse 4 to 5 reads, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. When Jesus healed the paralyzed man, he first said, your sins have been forgiven. Take up your mat and go home. Next, Jesus healed to show compassion. He healed simply because he loved us and because he cared for our present circumstance and our present situation. You know, there is not even one occurrence in the Gospels where someone came up to Jesus asking for healing and he refused or turned someone away? Can you imagine that the thousands or tens of thousands of of people in that time that were healed by Jesus and all the healings that were not recorded? At the end of the Gospel of of John, John says that they couldn't even record in, in a book all the things that Jesus had done. And lastly, Jesus 
healed. To show that salvation starts now. Jesus' willingness to heal now show that healing was not just something for the future, but for the present. Salvation starts now in this life. And we anticipate something greater to come in the life of the resurrection. So as we look in the passage, we see that that Jesus and, and this crowd finally arrived, finally arrived with much anticipation to this official's home. And he saw this noisy crowd and this funeral procession and music and, and mourning and all these things going on. Now, compared to our Western funerals of today that are more calm and reflective and serene, in the ancient times, in in that custom, the funerals were this elaborate ceremony. They hired musicians, they hired professional mourners to publicly mourn the death of their family member. And then, in the midst of this, we see one of the most powerful power encounters ever recorded in the gospel, a confrontation between Jesus and death itself. Jesus pulls into this this funeral scene and he sees this and he's angry. In fact, death angers Jesus. And he says that this this, this girl isn't, isn't dead but only sleeping. And the crowd erupts in laughter all around. But when Jesus steps into the situation, death itself doesn't have the final say. Only he does. He ejected the crowd out of the house, and he went upstairs. Now remember, it was religiously unclean for him to touch a dead body, much like it was to touch a woman that was bleeding or someone with leprosy or or anything like that. But what Jesus did is when, when his kingdom, when he came to town, he turned the tables. And instead of being defiled, Jesus grabbed the hand of this dead girl, and raised it up and lifted her and raised her back to life, resurrected new. You see, there was no place for death around him, for he had authority over death. He was truly the only way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the healer. So what does this mean for us? What were the the effects of this resurrection and and what did this do? God calls us to live as a witness of the resurrections that we've seen in, in him and in the lives of those around us. Let's see what happened. Verse 26. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. After Jesus left this girl's home, Two blind men followed him, followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right to the house where he was staying and asked Jesus, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told them, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. So here we have these two blind men that, that they, were, they were there during the time that this resurrection took place of this little girl. And they said, son of David, have mercy on us. They, like the woman, follow Jesus. Now remember, they were physically blind. So they had to go to extreme 
extreme measures to, to follow Jesus in this crowd all the way back to that house, even if they had other people that were helping him. And they said, Son of David, have mercy upon us. Now, this was the first time that Jesus was referred to as a son of David. Using this Davidic title, what they were doing is they were confessing after seeing this miracle, after witnessing this, this miracle and hearing about it, that Jesus was the mess messianic king, that he was the fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah that the blind will see, the lame will walk, and those who can't speak will sing. They believed, what they truly believed in their heart is that if this was true, that, that this Messiah had come and he had brought the dead to life, if this was true and, and since if he was the mess messianic king, they who were blind themselves would receive the mercy of this king and would be healed too if they requested. So Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? And they replied, Yes, Lord, we do. Then Jesus, with the same hand that touched the little girl and brought her back to life, touched the eyes of those men and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they could see. You see, because they witnessed the resurrection of that girl, in person and they heard about it. It activated their faith. When the blind men were set free, they were not just healed physically, but they were healed from their spiritual blindness, able to see the kingdom of God and that present reality right now here in the present Jesus. Their faith grew so much that they, that they went out and told everyone about Jesus, even when Jesus told them not to go do that. So what does this mean for me? My question to you is that if you are in Christ, are you living out faith like the father, are, that, that, that father of the daughter? Are you living out faith like the woman that was persistent? Are you living out faith like the blind men? You see, if you carefully look at this narrative, you see the reality of the, of the kingdom become manifest increasingly in stages as faith builds upon more faith and builds upon more faith and more miracles occur. You see, these three stories were not just three completely separate, unrelated stories, but three, these three narratives were, were interwoven into one where, where faith of one person gave, gave birth to faith in another person and a miracle gave faith to, to a, a, another person and to a crowd and, and more miracles happened. First, what do I mean by that? First, it was a faith of the Father that came to see Jesus, that, that activated Jesus in response to agree to go to his house. Next, the Father and the crowd unexpectedly see the faith of this woman that comes to Jesus and, and they witness that, that healing. And that built more of their faith to a greater, a greater extent. Then next, that, that whole crowd that was traveling in faith, Jesus goes to, to this man's house and he confronts his funeral head on. Jesus encounters death itself and raises his child to life, erupting even more faith for, for the man and for the crowd and for everyone around them to the point that, that two blind men that couldn't even witness this miracle were hearing about this 
and called Jesus the son of David, the Messiah, and in faith said yes to Jesus and his power to heal them too. This passage continues and just keeps going on and on, talking about how faith is built up even more. News of these miracles spread throughout this entire region. Right after this, a demon-possessed man was brought to Jesus, and the demon was cast out. And the man began to speak. And the crowd said nothing like this had ever happened in Israel. What I want to tell you is this. If you are in Christ, there has been a spiritual resurrection in your life. You have gone from death to life, from, from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from sin to victory. Are you a witness of the resurrection that you have seen in, you, in your own life or the lives of those around you? And living in that faith, because when you live in that faith, it, it builds more and more faith, bigger and bigger. When people see you, do they see a dead person that is now living or an addicted person that was made whole, a broken marriage that was healed, an old attitude that was removed, or an old conflict that was forgiven? And does that build up the faith of others and, and so that others see the miracles, others see the faith, others see what had happened and want to come and see and experience it for themselves? Are you a living witness of the resurrection, of the living Jesus, of Jesus alive, having resurrected your life? So we've seen three things. Healing can be a response to faith. Healing is a response to faith. Why? Because we know that Jesus is healer. And so our response is to live as witnesses of the resurrection in our own life and the resurrection of Jesus. My invitation today to you is this. I can't just describe it. I can't explain it. But come and see Jesus. Come and see Jesus and his miracles for yourself. This brings us to this obvious question that I know everyone is asking for themselves and, and this question I ask myself and this question that we all ask ourselves, what about me? What about me? You see, I wish I could preach a politically correct and safe gospel. I wish that, that, that our theology was so easy and so comfortable and fit snug right into the world with no controversy, no prophetic voice, no challenge. But if that were so, then this gospel of Jesus Christ that we preach would have no power to redeem and restore this present reality. The Pharisees in that passage, they didn't want to believe because they would have had to surrender their old way of life. Now, I've seen in my own personal life, many healings take place. There are certain things in my own life and, and the life of my wife that, that physically that we are, are praying for and asking God for and in the lives of our kids and those around us, our friends and neighbors and our relatives. I remember one of the most darkest crushing moments of my life. Many of you know my, my brother was in a major uh, accident in the fall of 2019. It was something that was so unimaginable that had been come, that came out of the blue. And we had heavy days in the hospital not knowing what was going to happen. I remember all of us 
being in a room and when we finally got the diagnosis, which was, which was, which was so extreme. And I, I remember being in the room and I almost fainted, knowing that, not knowing all the details, that it would take a miracle for him. But then I remembered from my past experiences that in times of darkness, in times of doubt, in times of despair, that we have to speak the truth of Jesus and about who he is. When John the Baptist doubted, this is how Jesus responded in Luke 7, 22 to 23. And I read this passage. Then he told his disciples, go back and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. In the depths of darkness and defeat and despair, I remembered Jesus. I remembered all the stories and testimonies of faith that other people had. I remembered the stories and the miracles of things that he's done in my life, physically and emotionally and spiritually in the past. And I remembered all the, the, the witnesses of, of the spiritual resurrections that had happened in, in my life and the, in the lives of, of others that they had that shared with me and been trying to convince me of all this time. And with that, I, I held on to the only thing that I had, which was Jesus and activated faith. Then we called upon all of our, our family members and our friends and our church families. And I know the Tuesday Women's Life Group and, and all the groups that were, that were praying in, in, in all the churches around and all of our friends from around the country, strangers in Christ, calling upon the name of Jesus in faith. There was an army of people across the country praying in faith for months for my brother and his life. And slowly... My brother's condition started to stabilize. And we still have a long way to go. We're still waiting on miracles. We're still waiting on, on healing. We're, we're still waiting on so many things. But he also held on to his faith in the process. Today, he's, he's progressed in many ways, and he's, he's been able to do so much. And, he, him and both him and his wife are, are, are a great inspiration of faith for us and for those around us. I believe it was faith in Christ that had changed the tide in our lives. And that faith that had been built up, not just, just made a change in the lives of my family, but those around us. There was a faith that was reignited amongst my family and my cousins and my friends and, and, and our church. Faith built upon more faith. Healing built upon more healing and miracles and faith and so on and so forth. And that, that engine just started to churn. Let's be a people who live in faith. Now, I don't know how or why God answers prayers for physical healing when he does. I don't understand why sometimes it takes long or, or why sometimes it happens right away. But what I do know is this, is that he invites us to ask for healing. And what I want you to do is I, I want you this morning to ask to come and see Jesus and to come and see his miracles. For when we do that, our faith grows 
and it spreads like a wildfire and soon there'll be be a large crowd let us be a church where there's a large crowd and and large line of people waiting to receive waiting to to to, to see these things happen hearing these testimonies of these miracles and things happen and and faith just grow and grow and grow where it gives faith gives birth to even more faith i want you to invite you this morning to come and see jesus and his miracles james chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 says are any of you sick you should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the lord such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the lord will make you well And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Jesus also says that healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I have come to call not just those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. What I want you to do is we're going to move into a song of worship. And as we go into that song, I, I, I just want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to, to, to just think about the, the areas where you need healing, physical healing in your own life. And what I want you to do is with, 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 with true humility and, 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 and concern and honesty, just lay that request out before the Lord just like the woman that was persistent, just like the the faith of the, the father of that child. Step out in faith. You are his son. You are his daughter. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to know what he is capable of. He, he wants you to know how great and how powerful he is. And he wants you to petition and to bring these requests of healing that you need in your life or in your family to him. I don't know how he works or what he does, but he invites us to bring our requests to him. So as we worship, let's take a few moments. Let's, let's fall on our knees. Let's hold on to Jesus and, and grab onto his garment and grab onto him and say, Jesus, would you heal me? I trust in your power. I trust in your goodness. I trust in who you are and my identity as your child. And I will be persistent in asking. And when you heal, I will receive. So let's worship together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.